imposing grandeur, the quality or state of being impressive or awesome. The purpose of studying theology and reading books, it's it's not to gain our own intellect, but rather it is to bring us to Him. Because when you see how glorious and how holy and how majestic our Creator is, the more you worship Him. He is our imposing grandeur. Welcome to Imposing Grandeur Radio. I'm here with Alexa and Avery. How are y'all doing? Doing Hello. good, Annie. Thanks for asking. <laughs> doing good. All right. Well, we don't have a lot of time today, so let's jump straight into our topic, which is God's faithfulness. Mm. Um, well, as always, we want to start off with defining what that means. What does faithfulness mean? Annie, do you have a quote from Grudem this week? I don't. I feel like every week you've come in clutch. I, I'm out of town and I couldn't bring systematic theology with me. I'm so upset. <laughs> Annie. Annie, I actually made a meme about you um, and how you always quote Grudem. I'll have to put it on our story or something. <laughs> yeah, where did this meme go? Did you just make it to make fun of me? Or did, you, <laughs> did you post it somewhere? <laughs> no, it's funny because now that I'm actually like verbally talking about it, I'm realizing how weird it probably sounds. So I, I made a meme and I didn't really do anything with it. I wanted to post it on our story, and I'll probably do that after this because the past, like, what is this episode? This is episode six. The past episodes, you have been quoting Grudem and coming in clutch, and I just like laughed to myself, and I'm like, I need to make a meme out of it. So I'll have to, I'll have to post it. I don't know why I didn't send it to you. I think I was going to, but I forgot. But anyway, <laughs> defining faithfulness, <laughs> getting back on topic. So do either of y'all have anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really have anything from Grudem. I should have looked at my book since you don't have yours. But I did find that the Greek word of faithful is pistos, if that's how you pronounce it. Um, Ooh. And, oh, can you pronounce it, Annie? She she just held it up to the screen. Strong's G, 4103, pistos. <laughs> pistos. Oh. But anyways, continue. <laughs> so yes, that's what that was my thought. I think when we think of faithfulness within our culture, we mean, like for example, a man being faithful to his wife, or uh, coffee being faithful to sustain me with caffeine. <laughs> like I don't even know if that's the proper context, so don't quote me on that. But it's maintaining an allegiance or showing a strong sense of duty or consciousness. So, but I think it's important to clarify when talking about God. So when God is faithful, what is it that he's being faithful to? I think it's important to discern that it's, it's different in his definition because it's not so much he's being faithful because he's required to be faithful because we are worthy of being faithful to kind of like a husband is required to be faithful to his wife because that is what the Lord commanded, but rather it's God's perfect loyalty and consistency in being true to his character and his name and his word. So like all throughout the Bible, we see him making these promises or stating these attributes about his character. And so 
by him being faithful, we know that he is faithful to be perfectly loyal and consistent to that very essence of nature. Yeah, I think that sums it up really well, Alexa. Um, so now that we've discussed that and how God is, God's faithfulness is different than what we might imagine in a worldly sense, like you were saying, um, what does God's faithfulness not mean? Can we elaborate on that a little bit? Because we see uh, throughout Instagram, Facebook, Christians posting, oh, I got into this or God gave me this. He's so faithful. And is that a proper use of God's attribute in that context? Mm. This is uh, something that I've thought about a lot because like you were saying, uh, oh, faithfulness, God is faithful. Like, um, And I'm sure that people listening... I'm sure that there's at least one person that's probably listening to this that is like, oh, like kind of awkward. I posted an Instagram post <laughs> yeah. yesterday with the caption, God is faithful because I got into a certain program or I got a new car or a new job or whatever. Um, so I think going back to the fact that God's faithfulness is his perfect loyalty and consistency and tr- being true to his name, his character and his word. We see that his faithfulness is made known through his fulfilled promises. And there are many verses that we could allude to, like Joshua 23, 14, 1 Kings 8, 56. But it's nicely put in Joshua 21, 45, which says, Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord has made to the house of Israel has failed. All have come to pass. And so when we're talking about God fulfilling promises, we can think of Abraham's fatherhood, which is nicely put in Genesis 12, 2 through 3, 15, 4, 21 through 1 through 2, which you guys can go back and look through all of these um, if you want. And then it alludes to it in the New Testament, Romans 9, 9 and Galatians 4, 28. But there's also the building of the temple, 2 Samuel 7, 12 through 13. However, the point in saying all this is that when we see captions and posts of somebody doing something really cool and then tagging along the caption, God is faithful. Like, yes, God is faithful. However, I want to make a distinction that God's faithfulness does not always mean human prosperity. So I think when we get in the habit of reading people talking about God's faithfulness in this sense, we tend to equate his faithfulness with a raise at work or a new car. So could God be faithful if you didn't get a raise at work, if you didn't get a new car, didn't get accepted in the college program? Yes, God is still faithful. Our earthly experiences and achievements do not equate or negate from God's faithfulness. So, yes, he was faithful in providing Abraham a son and in the building of the temple. However, he was also faithful to fulfill his promise to the Israelites' exile in Babylon for 70 years because they disobeyed his commands. So there is this aspect of God's faithfulness, going back to the whole point of God's faithfulness does not always mean human prosperity. So Jeremiah 25, 8 through 11, we see that The Israelites have disobeyed him and God told them, "Okay, well, because you have done this and he told them what was going to happen, they are going to go into exile for 70 years. And he was faithful to fulfill that promise. So God's faithfulness is not a result of human achievement or progress in our life, but rather it is who he is and is exhibited through his provision in our lives. So can God be considered faithful when you get into that super competitive internship? Absolutely. Can he be considered faithful when you get fired from that super competitive internship? Absolutely. So we must recognize that he is faithful regardless of what happens and that his nature is not contingent on our circumstances. Yeah, Alexa, I think you summed it up perfectly of just explaining and summarizing that really well. 
Um, and it kind of took me back to um, Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, our hope without wavering for he who has promised is faithful. And it's more of the fact that we have a confident hope always in God's promises because it stems from God's trustworthy character and our circumstances, just like our joy is not contingent on our circumstances. God's faithfulness is also not contingent on our circumstances. He is always faithful because his promises will stand true just as they have in the old covenant into the new covenant and now in our lives. And what we're walking through now is not going to change God's faithfulness because we know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, which also brings me to 2 Timothy 2.13, which is if we are faithless, he remains faithful. So obviously we're called to faithfulness as believers, but those who deny Christ will be judged forever whereas all believers sin and God is faithful and will pardon, restore, and keep those that are fully his. And that's another one of our confidences in who God is and his faithfulness that regardless of how we are in this life, obviously, as we've talked about in our holiness podcast or sanctification podcast, we are called to strive and be living as believers that are looking to Christ and constantly pursuing obedience to his word. But his faithfulness is not contingent on our our response, our works. And that is something that we can be really confident in. And one of my um, friends was actually mentioning this week. And um, what you said reminded me as she was talking about um, just her grief process. She's walked through a lot of grief the past year and a half or so. And um, she was saying that um, she's realized in her just simple state that her view of God's goodness and God's faithfulness she's realized that sometimes God's goodness and faithfulness can end up being something really heartbreaking, like death in the family. And naturally, as sinful believers, we want to look to God and be, you're not good. You're not faithful Mm. because A, B, and C has happened in my life. And just like we see on, you know, social media, people being like, uh, praise God, you know, he is faithful. I got, you know, I'm a nurse now, or I got into this job or whatever. Yes, of course, God is faithful in that. And just like Alexa was saying, if you were not and get you hadn't gotten to nursing school, he would still be faithful. And it's the same for really hard things that we walk through in life. Someone passes away, God is still faithful, regardless if we feel like he is good in that moment and in that suffering. Right. And I think going back to like, uh, Avery, what you were really stressing and what I alluded to is the fact that him being faithful to us, like, we our experiences and for example his faithfulness is not contingent on anything um i think it's important to kind of put a reminder here that god's faithfulness like all the other attributes that we have discussed thus far is an integral part of who he is in his very essence so it's not a mere character trait so for example alexa is very loud like my loudness could be contingent on whether or not I've had coffee, <laughs> like what social setting I'm in. Do I feel comfortable? <laughs> but also I'm just a very loud overall person. Yeah. Um, however, this is his nature. So like we were talking about in the previous episodes, God is grace. He is justice. He is holy. And likewise, he is faithful. So something to keep in mind and remind yourself of daily is God is not like you. Um, it says in Numbers 23, 19, that God is not man that he shall lie or son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? So his omnipotence, which spoiler alert, that word means all powerful. And we'll talk about that later as one of our other attributes. 
So his omnipotence and his steadfast love imply his complete and utter faithfulness. So he is faithful to his name and his character, like we see and Avery talked about in 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Why? Because he cannot deny himself. It is his essence. And then in Psalms 106.8, yet he saved them for his namesake that he might make known his mighty power. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.24, he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. And if you want to look into this more, you can also read Nehemiah 9.8 and Hebrews 6, 13 through 18. But our God is not a God who um, is faithful in the good times and then kind of wimps away in the bad times. No, he is faithful all the time. Why? Because that is his actual essence. That is the core of who he is. He cannot be anything other than faithful and he cannot be anything other than loving and just. And that is something that we should rejoice in knowing that although my faithfulness is contingent upon certain things. Like I am such a sinful person and I'm very selfish. I'm, I've been born not wanting to seek the desires of other people, not wanting to help others and serve others. It is only by the grace of God that I even desire that. Um, but unlike us, God is so different. And that's something that we should rejoice in knowing that he's not sinful. He's not flawed. He's faithful. And yet this faithful God seeks to serve us. Like it says in Isaiah 64, 4, from of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear. No one has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. So here we have this faithful God who's omnipotent and all loving, and yet he seeks to serve us and work for us. Not in a sense of like a slave type deal, but he saves us for his name's sake, as it says in Psalms 106, 8. And that's just astounding. Yeah, and I think, too, you see throughout the covenants in the Old Testament, like both of you briefly touched upon, that obviously God is not faithful because of anything we've done. Or any like you were saying, Alexa, he's not waiting for us in a, like, he's our servant sense because we're not, we would not be worthy of that. We see that in the Abrahamic covenant where Abraham doubts God, doubts God, lies, does all these things, uh, sleeps with Sarah's servant to um, fulfill God's promises to him and takes it upon himself time after time. We see the Davidic covenant. We see this in the Noahic covenant. We see it like all throughout history. God has so uh, eloquently preserved his faithfulness in his word in that the believer in times of hardship and when God's faithfulness might look like heartbreak, like you were saying, Avery, can remind themselves of this history that we have. And which leads to the next question I have. Um, we say like God is faithful to his promises, but what exactly is that promise to Christians? How can God's faithfulness encourage the Christian? Like, let's be real specific here because I hear all the time, God is faithful to keep his promises, but let's, let's hash out real quick. What is God's promise that he's being faithful to? Um, I wanted, before I answer that question, I also wanted to include that long time ago when we first started doing written blogs, there is a series we did on old covenants. If you'd like to go back and read through those, um, we kind of hashed out each one, the Davidic covenant, Mosaic covenant, Davidic covenant, all that stuff is there. So if you would like to read those and kind of, or uh, I guess, um, kind of straighten them out in your mind, it is helpful to go back and look through those. Um, but speaking to um, God's faithfulness currently to us as believers, 
Um, something that we can look towards and be confident in is that, you know, the Redeemer has come and those that have put their faith and trust in Jesus, we have eternal hope in God and we will be with him and united with him in eternity one day. And also the hope that is um, always present that God could come back at any time. And just like um, the servants that are watchful and waiting for the master of the house that has gone away, um, we should be also watchful and hopeful for the coming back of God. And I um, love the Psalm in Psalm 89.1, which is David saying, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever with my mouth. I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. And so as y'all have both touched on, David had seen God's enduring faithfulness and steadfast love towards him and his faithfulness to his covenants and promises. And so this continually is assuring us of God's current trustworthy character as it was back when David was alive and experiencing God's um, redeeming promises then. We know that he is still the same God as he was then as he was currently. And we can be hopeful for the Redeemer that we know is present and seated at the right hand of God and is coming back soon. Yeah. That was a really good summary, Avery. And just to tie that up, I think of John 5, 24, where he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. So like you were saying, like mm. if you believe in Christ and that he died for your sins and rose from the grave and you trust in him, he is faithful to give you eternal life and fulfill what he says in his word. Right. And Annie, what you're talking about, like the whole promises, and I think it's really cool because, I mean, right there in scripture, we have this meta narrative of God fulfilling his promises and being faithful. And so when we read the Old Testament and study the covenants, like Avery was talking about, we did do a series on the covenants and that just blew my mind because I, I wrote the Abrahamic covenant and that was so hard to write. I remember being in Bible college, writing this this blog um, in between my classes and stuff because, and, and just researching and being like, there is so many verses and so much information because it literally fulfills so much and just proves the faithfulness of God in providing what he had promised and, and how it led to a redeemer, Jesus Christ, who is the pinnacle of faithfulness. He showed himself to be faithful to his father, like we see in Hebrews 3, 2, and in his witness. And so when we talk about what does God's faithfulness, how does this encourage the believer, read your Bible and see and witness through the narratives, but also through just everything, how he is so faithful to one, fulfill his promises, be true to his character, but also he was faithful to set this redeemer up to redeem us from sin from the very beginning of time. And so when we're talking about like Annie, that verse that you read, which was so beautiful and totally sums up and like puts the bow on top of this present of like, what does, how, how should this encourage us? God is faithful to sanctify you. He is faithful to be your source of comfort, to strengthen you when you're weak. And so we see in first Philippians one, six, the sanctification, Matthew five, four, the comfort. And then when you're weak, his power is made perfect in your weakness. Like we see in second Corinthians 12, nine. And so, um, we can take heart knowing that from the 
very Old Testament, the very beginning of the Old Testament, a Redeemer had been promised, like we see in the Proto-Evangelium of Genesis. I think I pronounced that right, but it was like the first gospel right after Adam and Eve took a bite of the of the fruit. Um, God was already preparing a Redeemer, you know, like he was since the very beginning of time because he's all sovereign and all knowing. But we see this fulfillment happening. Surely then, surely if that has come to pass, which we have it on record that it had because we have God-inspired text. Um, we have the last chapter of the Bible. We have revelation. We know how it's going to go down. We know that God is going to be victorious. We know that we are going to be victorious with him. Romans 8 talks about that we will be glorified with Christ, provided that we suffer with him. So if we're suffering in this current world, we know to look not to this world, but to look to the unseen and to rejoice in the fact of knowing that this is not all that there is. And God is faithful to fulfill that promise. He's faithful to sustain us within this, this, um, this world that is so sinful. And so how does this encourage the believer? This encourages us because it reminds us that there is so much more that we don't know that God is yet being faithful to. Um, there are so many things that he is right now currently being faithful to sustain and to provide, and we are so blind to it. Yes. Amen, Alexa. There's not much we can add to that. I mean, you summed it up perfectly. Um, but one simple thought that I did want to add is this might seem simple, but this is something that um, just blew my mind a little bit of just thinking about if God truly wasn't faithful, if he had been unfaithful through all through scripture to all the promises, which are just wrapped up all in scripture, we would not have the hope that we have today. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be rejoicing in God's faithfulness daily. That's a part of preaching the gospel to ourselves is just recounting, like you were saying, recounting the deeds of the Lord, recounting the promises he has fulfilled. Because if this is not true, if God was an unfaithful mm -hmm. God, we would not be hit sitting here basking in the hope and the glory of the gospel, the truth of that, what that means for us. We would not have a hope. And so out of all of the the amazing characteristics and attributes we have talked about this far. This has to be probably my favorite because obviously if God wasn't gracious, then that would be terrible. And if <laughs> he wasn't just God, that would be terrible and all of those things. But ultimately, if God had not been faithful to everything we see in scripture, we, it, I mean, we wouldn't even have all of these things to talk about anymore. And so I just really, really love, um, this verse in Lamentations, Annie, I think this is kind of your anthem um, back, I think that fall time in back last year when your grandfather passed away. And there's just a lot going on. And, and you reminded us often of this verse, Lamentations 3, 22 through 23, which says, steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Mm -hmm. And this is a reminder of God's covenant mercy and his fidelity and personal integrity remain intact no matter what happens. Um, mm -hmm. And even in the face of Judah's unfaithfulness and um, just everything that has happened through scripture in the Old Testament of just constant sinning and just people being people, being sinners, being failures, being unfaithful to God, he still remained faithful to them. And the same as we have been saying over and over again, we have this hope. And just like this verse says, they are new every morning. We can wake up every morning with the hope of the gospel to preach to ourselves every single day as we should, reminding ourselves that his mercies are new every morning. Amen. That's awesome. Avery, thank you for that simple reminder. Um, that's so pivotal to 
our encouragement as believers. Mm. But that leads us into our last question, which is, we know God is faithful. We know this is a the essence of who He is and that He will be faithful regardless of our unfaithfulness, but we do not want to be perverters of that faithfulness. So how should the Christian live faithfully to God? How, what does that look like in the Christian's life? Hmm. Well, I want to clarify, kind of like I, I, I said in the very beginning, like God is not required to be faithful to us. That is just the essence of his character. So for us being faithful to God, I want to clarify that it's not, it's not so much us being faithful to him because he needs us to be faithful because we need God to be faithful to us. That is something that like Avery was saying, if he was not faithful, we would be living with no hope, with no, no future. So, um, so he does not need our faithfulness. He's not a God that is yearning for a fallible human to give him the time of day. Um, no, we don't serve a wimp. We serve the literal creator and sustainer of the universe whose very essence is holy and faithful. Um, so what does it look like to, for us to be faithful to following Christ? And I think that is we show ourselves and God calls us rather. God calls men and women women to be faithful by following Christ and relying on him for all things. So it's not so much, oh, we need to be faithful because God needs this from us. We show him to be faithful by being faithful, by relying on him. As it says in, I believe it's Habakkuk 2.4 and then Romans 1.17. Um, we, we rely on him because by relying on him, we prove him to be faithful and we give him glory for being faithful. Um, and that is what we are called to as Christians. Yeah, and I just, uh, in Romans seven twenty three through 25, Paul says, But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. So we see this um, picture of Paul saying, I am, I am a wretched man. I am a slave to the sin. Who can save me? God will save me. Well, then I will serve the law of the God or law of God. So it's that reliance on God's faithfulness to deliver us from our sinfulness. And then as an outflow of that, like we've been talking about in previous podcasts, you serve God by obeying his commandments and relying upon his word. Right. Um, in exactly what you were saying, Alexa, about how like our reliance on his faithfulness proves his faithfulness. My dad would always say, everyone to whom much is given, much will be required. And just like we have been given much and we should be obeying God out of the overflow and thankfulness to him and what he has done for us on the cross. As believers, we are expected to remain faithful and we are called to that. And, um, I also loved in Proverbs 3, 3, the verse that says, let us not, let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you, bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. And so these terms in Proverbs 3 um, were together in the Lord's self-declaration to Moses of his character in the covenantal relationship. And in light of the appeals in Proverbs 3 to honor, fear, and trust the Lord, the call here is to bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart is best understood as encouragement to live faithfully to the covenant. And so 
you know, even though that was the old covenant that, and, and that was a declaration to Moses, same is true to us today. Um, like imagine binding something around your neck. If you wore a necklace every single day, you would obviously like be reminded when you look in the mirror, when you look at your pictures of yourself or you just, you know, feel around your neck, you're going to feel that necklace there. And that's the same is true as if we're binding God's word and this reminder of the gospel around our necks and on our hearts, the tablet of our hearts, we should be reminded constantly of this truth. This should affect everything that we do. And so the just truth of God's faithfulness should affect how we treat others, should affect how we, who we love, why we love them. Um, we should be reminded constantly of God's goodness and never be distracted by worldly things. And that is convicting to me because it's like, am I daily binding these things around my neck? Am I writing these things on the tablet of my hearts? Often not. I'm replacing it with worldly desires, idols, affections that are just distracting me. And so, um, Anyway, I just, I want that to be an encouragement to us to continue as we are reading scripture to be memorizing these things and um, metaphorically writing them on our hearts because it's so important as we walk faithfully with the Lord. Hmm. All right. Well, is there any last things that y'all wanted to add to the topic of faithfulness before we enter into our IG hot seat? Um, I guess one thing I want to add is, so we've been talking about faithfulness this whole time um, to kind of switch the coin a little bit, um, reminding ourselves, what does it mean to be unfaithful? Um, it means to be unworthy of this confidence or belief. And so in the Old Testament, a synonym for faithfulness is truth. And so reminding ourselves that God is consistently true and he is the object of our human trust. I was reading in the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, and it said that when God is used in the Old Testament, the word faithfulness frequently refers to his unwavering commitment to his promises. And I just think of like what Avery was talking about, us daily living this out. Um, God is worthy of us being confident in him. He is worthy of us believing him, relying on him for all things. So it's not a matter of, is he worthy? It's a matter of, are you viewing him correctly? You know, are you, are you reading scripture, seeing his faithfulness? Are you meditating on his wondrous works? Or are you in seeking other things to rely on, in seeking other things to satisfy you? Are you considering him by seeking other things, um, whether knowingly or unknowingly, to be unfaithful, to be unworthy of confidence and not believing in him. And so just flipping the coin a little bit, observing and internally um, investigating within yourself, like A.W. Tozier says, the first thing that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing. And so I think just just reflecting on that today, maybe maybe you have put your your reliance and your trust in something else. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a status. Maybe it's a, a a job like we were talking about or a position at a really competitive internship, you know, or or program. So I, I think it's just a really important and necessary and beneficial reminder for us as fallible creatures to rely on our creator who's omnipotent, and all, who is omnipotent, which is all powerful um, and loving, because that is what we were created to do. Uh, so I just wanted to add that. Thank you, Alexa, for... Uh posing some of those very uh, introspective questions that are good to ask always and keep a personal inventory check. Um, 
So anyways, we are going to move into our final segment, which is our IG hot seat. (laughs) 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 So the question that I have for y'all today is, um, if you could be an expert on any theological topic in the Bible, yo, as far, not, not like, let's go in as far as human knowledge can go like you don't have any like otherworldly knowledge so as far as human knowledge can go if you could be the expert on any theological topic what would it be okay i like this question i don't know there's so many things oh man any theological topic annie do you have one yet i think for me like the law of God, like as far as like civil law goes and how it applies to like our current, like what our society should look like. I find that topic like very interesting. Mm-hmm. So I would love to be the subject matter expert on that. That's cool. Mm. Okay. I'll just say what I'm, I'm torn between. I have two that I'm torn between. I would love to be an expert of eschatology because nobody Ooh. is an es- expert of eschatology. <laughs> and so I'm like, <laughs> so it's part of like, because we're only given so much in scripture and we can't like blow that out of proportion. But I feel like there's just so many different opinions. And I, I think it'd be really interesting. So I'm, when I say I want to be an es- expert of eschatology, I'm not saying I want to be able to predict the end times. I'm I'm more so saying I would love to be knowledgeable of like the um apocalyptic and prophetic writings in scripture. Ooh. So like for example, Daniel and Ezekiel confuse me <laughs> so much. Like in reading like the first time I read that I was like, "Whoa." Like <laughs> what? <laughs> so I think being an expert on that would be super dope. But more practically, I think it would be more helpful uh, in terms of apologetics and witnessing, to be very good at defending, like, I can defend the deity of Christ, but I think in regards to witnessing, I would love to be an expert of defending both biblically, but also historically, the deity of Christ and the authority and um, reliability of the Bible. And I'm not saying that I can't I can't do that now because I think as believers, we are required to do that and be able and ready to give a defense for those who ask you what you what is the hope that you have? I believe that's first Peter. Um, but I think being an expert in that would be very helpful. Mm, yeah, that's cool. I like that. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, I think mine would be just an expert at apologetics, kind of like what you're saying, just being able to like witness to all different types of people and not kind of back down like to know exactly what to say back obviously that's never going to happen but I would love to be able to do that also I think like the um literary forms and different aspects of scripture really interest me I love words and just I I think just growing up kind of being taught classically I love the way that like psalms and proverbs are different and um Lamentations and Ecclesiastes, it's just really, really cool to me. So I think I would love studying and knowing just like different, uh, like Paul's letters and like Mm -hmm. how they were originally formed and what that looked like. And then also like just what tablets and scrolls looked like in the Old Testament. And Mm -hmm. I just think that the original 
kind of uh, documents, I guess, of scripture would be really neat to even just see and like get to study in person would be really neat. I don't think that's really considered like theology, but I think that would be a really yeah. cool aspect of of biblical knowledge. <laughs> so we've got eschatology, linguistic, and Levitical scholar here. <laughs> yes. yes. All right, y'all. Thanks for joining us today as we talked about faithfulness as an attribute of God. Please join us next week as we talk about all of the omnis, omniscient, omnipresent, omnipotent. It's going to be a good one. See you then.